Welcome to the Wellbeing Podcast. Welcome into the room and into our conversation surrounding well-being in its many forms. Hello everyone, this is Sophie Matthews, the host for this podcast. Today I am really excited because we are doubling up on our guests for this episode with Matt and Sophia. They are both leaders of an amazing group on campus called Renew, and they meet to discuss the intersection between mental health and faith. So we're going to be hearing from both of their perspectives and why they chose to serve in this capacity. So first off, we have Sophia. Sophia is a recent grad of UCLA, where she studied international development with a minor in global health. When she's not at her social impact consulting job in LA, she spends every second outdoors soaking in the sun and exploring. So Sophia, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You started this collective with Matt. Um, What is Renew and why did you start it? Yeah. So Renew is a discussion and Bible study um, looking at Christian scripture and then looking at that through a mental health perspective. It's been a really cool experience getting to lead this with Matt Mm. over the past year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt actually started it before without me and then was looking for someone else to mm-hmm. help run it with him and he asked me and it was a total shock I was like oh I don't want to talk about my own personal struggles mm-hmm. and depression and whatnot but um, God really challenged me to step into it and step into that role and mm-hmm. it's just been really rewarding to get a study scripture and mm-hmm. learn about different bible characters that seem to definitely have struggled with anxiety or depression Mm. and things like that and just as far as what Renew is and what it looks like on a bi-weekly basis is um, it's about an hour discussion and meeting time um, with people of any background Mm -hmm. can come but it is coming from a Christian perspective I've had my Hindu friend come and like she loved Mm -hmm. it and got great um, little tidbits out of it So it's just a really caring community. We meet every other week in one of our apartments, and it's a great way to meet other people who are in the Mm -hmm. same boat. Yeah, I think that there's kind of like a lack of conversation surrounding mental health in Christian circles. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you speak of maybe why there's hesitation or why this isn't so much expounded upon? I've heard from so many people growing up that if you just love Jesus more, then mm. all your problems will go away. Or how are you unhappy? You have the joy of eternal life. And that just kind of hurt me growing up. So I'm like, oh, I'm the really stressed out, worried child. And mm. I don't really understand how I'm supposed to experience the joy of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So I think there's this kind of disconnect between maybe misunderstandings of the gospel as like, if you believe God, everything will go well and mm. you're going to be successful and happy. Um and then disconnect between people who are experiencing something very different where, yeah, even if I believe God, but I'm still going through hard times in my life or life is always hard if you're, um, if you have clinical depression and anxiety that totally affects all aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and there just isn't conversation, like you yeah. said, yeah. at least what I've seen. I've seen improvement in the past four years being at college and being involved in church and campus ministry that there is more intersect and overlap. Mm. But a lot of it is people from those Christian circles who also deal with mental illness um, mm. to speak up about it and be vulnerable to show that 
yes, we need to bring awareness to this because these communities definitely intersect. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is right at that intersection too. Cool. So you mentioned, you know, having a personal stake in this. Would you like to share a little bit more about that? Yeah. So like I kind of hinted at, I was definitely the worried kid who hyper-planned everything because I couldn't deal with things that were like out of my control or scary. Yeah, I also moved around a lot growing Mm. up. So I grew up as a missionary kid and moved like seven times between countries. So just that turmoil of leaving the place and trying to start over and trying to find friends and oftentimes not really finding friends and having it just be awkward and painful Mm. um, and feeling very lonely. That definitely made like childhood hard. Yeah. Then I got to America for high school and didn't know American culture or anything um, and just didn't fit in and didn't really find friends and had like a very hard time in high school. So then I just got super stressed out with schoolwork mm. and like doing well in school so that I could go to a good college and be impressive and whatnot. Um, so where were you before? I was in Greece and Albania and Sweden. What? <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> wild. Yeah. And then like different countries in Europe for different like shorter term things with my parents so it was a weird childhood I loved it I wouldn't exchange it for anything but it was not normal I suppose Mm -hmm. and but yeah then when I got to college at UCLA I appreciated now looking back that there is more discussion on emotional well-being and holistic health and and I started to find words to describe like what I was experiencing as, mm. oh, maybe this is seasonal depression. Like the reason that it's so hard to go to class or even to like walk down Bruin Walk and not being able to meet anyone's eyes because mm. you're just like so anxious and your chest is tight and you're just sad and needing to nap all the time. Like, yeah, and just having terrible dark thoughts like always and not understanding why I was having that. But mm. then learning more about the reasoning for that was great in college. And then now kind of the second half of college, being able to be a leader Mm -hmm. in this intersection of communities, like I mentioned before, my misery really became my ministry, Mm. which is interesting and not what I had planned or desired, but something that was so painful to me for much of my life then became an avenue for me to bless others and like counsel other people through it. So it's been a great experience, but very, very hard. Mm. It sounds really empowering to come from a place of like uncertainty and maybe deep insecurity to completely like taking the reins on this yeah for sure yeah so how have you learned self-care now yeah a big part of self-care for me is understanding my limits and enforcing those limits I have lesser capacity it seems like compared to some of my other friends who are just going from class to like their five student orgs are involved in and campus ministry and like meeting up with people one-on-one and they're just so busy and I for the beginning of my friendship with those type of people would feel a lot of comparison and Mm -hmm. guilt of like oh I'm not doing enough I'm not doing enough school or trying hard enough for my friendships or doing enough ministry um especially having this kind of idea that oh I have to impress God and impress people by doing more things Mm -hmm. but I've been learning a lot lately and God has been teaching me over the past four years that God is pleased with us exactly where we're at, and we don't have to perform to earn his favor. And I love the verse when Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, and he comes up out of the water, and a voice from heaven, God says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And Jesus has not done one single miracle, no ministry, no teaching, 
but God says, I am pleased with you. And God says the exact same thing about us. Mm. So that comparison is a big thing of self-care and getting rid of that comparison, having grace on yourself, having grace Mm. on others, and then being okay to not be okay. Mm. Realizing that is good to like sit in your sadness and discuss that with others and opening up to others is huge too, having that vulnerability and Mm. support system. And for me, coming from a Christian perspective, praying and spending time like journaling and processing through emotions and sadness and whatnot, um, and like bringing that to God. Um, There's a verse that says, cast your cares on God for he cares for you. So I get to cast all my cares on him because they're too much for me to handle. Mm. So those are the the big ways that I've learned self-care through this. Yeah, and you're just like exhibit A, renew right there, like using Bible (laughs) verses and pulling out, like how does this relate to my psyche and Mm -hmm. my well-being? So all you listeners should come. It's great, whether you're Christian or not. (laughs) Um, It's just a really cool way to learn Um, whether you're struggling with mental health or one of your friends is and you're like learning to support them. So what kind of recommendations do you have for people dealing with mental illness, whether chronically or seasonally? Um, the first thing that comes to mind, and it's super random, is hobbies. Um, finding things that you enjoy doing and actually making time to do them. Mm. In depression, we think everything is sad and can feel apathetic mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. class and all our obligations. But if you have something you really enjoy doing, like... For me, painting or writing poetry or being outdoors. I love being in the outdoors and usually going there like makes me feel a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, knowing your hobbies and bringing others into the struggle for sure and having other people to care for you and telling them exactly how you want to be cared for mm-hmm. because it's different from person to person. When I'm really, really anxious about something, I want someone to just hug me and just like listen and let me cry. One of my other friends wants prayer immediately, but like that feels kind of like a band-aid solution for me. Like I don't want prayer right away. I want someone to listen. So really asking people like, how can I help you best Mm. is huge. So those are some of my recommendations. Go see a therapist too. It's been great for me going to CAPS. There's a lovely um, Christian therapist there and I love her and she's been really great in Mm. helping me process through what's going on in my mind so it doesn't seem as daunting. Mm. Yeah, thank you. I love how just anecdotally you have discovered a way to make yourself feel better with hobbies and that's actually a treatment strategy it's called behavioral activation therapy where you are choosing positive experiences and creating a schedule for yourself I mean, you have to do the things that feel yep. good <laughs> yeah and hopefully the mood will, will slowly in, um, yeah. improve thank you sophia <laughs> thank you so much for wonderful. having me thank it's you Matt is a fourth-year mechanical engineering student at UCLA, and he spends his free time climbing or reading a good book. So, Matt, (laughs) um, tell us what kind of lack you saw on campus that made you want to start something like Renew. So, actually, my sophomore year, one of the... There's a person in crew, because one of the Christian organizations at UCLA, and she had started a Bible study about mental health called Living Grace Group. Mm-hmm. There's some curriculum that they went through. And um, Jenna Sato, she's on staff of the crew, she told me to go, recommended it for me. And I didn't want to go because um, I had never gotten help for my anxiety, like of any kind, besides just like maybe talking about it with people. And so I was like, there's a lot of resistance for me going into that. But eventually I went, I was like super uncomfortable. 
There was no guys there. I think any of the times that I went, <laughs> it was just all girls. So I like felt kind of uncomfortable with that. And But it was just super great getting to hear about other Christians who struggled with depression, anxiety, eating disorders, OCD, like all these things and like like knew that I wasn't the only one. But just hearing other people talk about it was like super impactful. Mm-hmm. And so the person who was leading it, her name is Juliet. She co-led with Rachel, another girl that I know. And name dropping. Yeah. <laughs> So Juliet was graduating, uh, Rachel's my year, so this is like sophomore year, and she didn't want to lead by herself, and so Juliet was like, why don't you ask Matt? So Rachel asked me like over the summer if I wanted to lead, and I was like, uh, I don't know, like that sounds really scary, and I was like, just let me pray about it, think about it, and I'll get back to you. And so I think, I remember I was reading this story about Charles Spurgeon, who is a pastor from like the 1800s, probably, I don't mm. actually know. <laughs> He struggled with depression. Back then they called it melancholia. <laughs> Which is like sounds... Kind of like that though. Yeah. It's like me- it's melancholy. Yeah. Mm. And so he gave a sermon on suffering. And he started speaking from his own experience. And he got very impassioned. Mm. Because he was like... He felt into that sadness and that pain. Just the sermon he gave was a lot more powerful because of the emotion behind it. And after the sermon, one of the people in the audience came up to him and was like, that was so powerful for me, seeing how you work through your relationship with God through that experience. And I thought, well, here I am. I have this anxiety, and all it does is make me do things less. And maybe this would be a cool opportunity to do something with it that's productive, and I can help other people mm-hmm. with it. So it's kind of like a, my anxiety is kind of like a friend that's with me and it's always I don't know I'm always fighting with him but it's like well maybe I can bring him along to this and put him to work (laughs) labor (laughs) that's really amazing to turn it around and even to come to a point where you see your anxiety as a companion Mm -hmm. that's been such a shift yeah yeah I guess seeing as a companion was kind of a new thing I was actually I went to a therapist and she kind of described it that way for me I was like that makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I've dealt with anxiety for as long as I can remember from a young age I just remember being stressed about everything not everything but a lot of things I just remember being like fearful of spending time with people like being in social situations and just avoiding things like I remember one time I went to, um, I was with my family for this like conference. It was like this six week conference in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And there was a uh, summer camp for all the kids. And I faked that I had the flu for the entire summer because I was too scared to go to this childcare thing, Mm -hmm. which sounds ridiculous because it was super fun. But yeah, I just like faked it because I didn't want to go. And I think the hard part was I didn't know why. Mm-hmm. All I knew was like, I don't want to do this, but I don't know like why I feel this way. I just like wake up every morning feeling super sick to my stomach and like, I just didn't know why. Mm-hmm. And so that like just stopped me from doing a lot of things like spending time with friends or like I played piano and I hated doing the piano recitals, so I quit. Or one time like I had a piano recital and I was actually, I faked the flu again and I was actually able to get my body temperature up 
it's like 100 degrees. Wow. So my family like took my, I'm like, I'm really sick. I have a fever. And they took my temperature. And I had a fever. Wow. And then as soon as the recital was over, the fever went away. And so I was like, well, that's Perfect convenient. timing, yeah. yeah. So I like quit piano. And now I'm terrible at piano. And that's kind of sad, but whatever. And so I think through high school, so I was homeschooled up until high school. So I was kind of able to, I don't know, things were easier because you can just stay at home. Um, but going to high school was a huge transition and a huge like stressful time for me because it was just a lot of like a lot of pressure to perform well in school to get in a good college um social pressure just like meeting people and yeah and even that there's the anxiety was there even when you know during the summers when that none of that was going on it was like like the friend analogy it's like he came over for came over to hang out over the summer even when I wasn't at school so I think, yeah, I'm just kind of like glossing over everything. But yeah, so that was kind of like through high school. And that was when I first kind of knew that I had anxiety was in high school, just because I was able to articulate it more, express how I was feeling to like my parents. Mm. And my mom kind of opened up with her struggle with anxiety. I had always known about, mm. but never could put words to it. And realizing that's like that was kind of a shared experience that I had with her, mm. um, and now we can like talk about it. But for like a long time, like we just didn't really know. Yeah, and then that's when it kind of like going to college and like being like, okay, this is something that's a part of me, and something that I want to be able to figure out. And then that's how it came into like sophomore year going to Juliet's mental health Bible study and kind of checking that out, and then into junior year leading it with. Sophia, yeah, and now you know here I am, and it's been like I don't know, it's become such a bigger part of my life through renew and like trying to like get help and go to therapy and yeah, so that's like and even now I'd say the anxiety is just as bad as it was back in high school and back in junior high and younger because something I've done to try to take care of myself is to push myself to do things that make me anxious mm. because then they get easier, and so I'm always pushing myself to do more and so the anxiety always is just <laughs> ramped up as I like do more and more so I am getting better but the anxiety is still just as bad <laughs> yeah, that's funny it's like ironic <laughs> yeah you're, you're battling it by being more anxious yeah and then I'm like sense. I'm trying to be a perfectionist and like be this like better person by working through it which is making me more anxious mm. and this is all stuff I'm processing right now. I'm not really sure. This is a very much right now thing. Mm. I don't really know. That's interesting. Um, but also, good on you for... That's really brave to go after things that scare you. Yeah. I think maybe people who aren't familiar with anxiety don't realize that aversion is such a big thing. It's like when you're fearful of, or anticipating something, you like want to mm-hmm. avoid it. Yeah. And that must be so hard with so many responsibilities in college mm-hmm. that you, quote unquote, have to meet. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. so much pressure here at UCLA. Sophia was saying, it's just with people doing so much, it's like intimidating. Mm. It's hard not to compare yourself or feel like you're not good enough. Like just this afternoon, I took a three hour nap because like there's so many other things I could have done with that time. I have homework to do. I have things like things to do, but like, you know what? I've... I've got to take care of myself mm-hmm. and not compare myself to other people. So with anxiety being such a difficult thing to wrestle with, how has your relationship with 
got affected. This is something I'm still very much in process. Growing up, like, like when I prayed, 90% of my prayers were about my anxiety. And it's just a lot of my prayers were like, God, please help me. God, I can't do this. God, please get me through this. I need to trust you. Because I know that he's all-powerful and he's in control when I'm not in control. And that was comforting to have that, but it didn't really make me feel better. So that's been hard because I just don't understand why why I'm not getting better or why I haven't been completely healed. I like don't, I kind of believe that I never will be until heaven is kind of something that I just I just can't imagine not being anxious mm-hmm. and as far as like the question goes like how does that affected it like I don't I'm not really upset at God for it and I'm really I'm not sure why I'm not sure how to answer that I feel like I should be because it's like caused me so much pain but I don't know I just feel like it's a it's point is brought me to God and it brought me closer to him and I'm able to see beautiful things come out of it. And I think that's what helps me love God more and seeing how he's cared for me. I mean, it's kind of like if you're, if you come down with a cold and you go home from school and your mom like tucks you in and gives you medicine mm-hmm. and makes you soup, like you would never get to see that kind of love from her unless you got sick. I think that is an aspect of God's love we don't get to see unless we go through something hard. Because it's like, well, there's people who don't have anxiety and they experience God's love. Mm-hmm. But maybe the love we get to see from God when we struggle with something is a special kind of love that you can only be privy to until you go through something hard. And that's something that's unique to being on earth because after when we go to heaven, there's not going to be any more pain. All tears mm-hmm. will be wiped away. We won't see that kind of comfort. So I think there is something special about being able to treasure that love from God through our suffering just for this short amount of time before we go to eternity. Wow. Yeah. I've not heard of that perspective before. I haven't either. I just... I'm just, I'm <laughs> like just it processing. just came to me. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really appreciate it. this podcast and you want to get involved go to our page www.thewellbeingpodcast.com and contact us for a recording session we would love to hear from you